All right, clock him. What was his time? E 37 seconds, sir. Are you kidding me? That's like seven seconds off the rest of the field. You know what that means. Oh, great. Another field filler. Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Get all your news, results, and updates on NASCAR every week on this channel. You've tried the best, now here's the rest. Let's fill the last row with our hosts, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the bottom of the playlist as well as the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. We just had our fourth race of the playoffs in the books, and we also had the first race of round number two at Las Vegas Motor Speedway with no fans in attendance. (sighs) Well, you know, it's Las Vegas, you know, this is the place where you gamble your life away, and I mean, why don't we just take a gamble on throwing as many people as we can in there? They lose their life. Hey, it's like getting snake eyes when you put your entire rent on the table. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. I just felt like it would have been more interesting, but it is what it is. We just had ourselves a fairly interesting uh, fourth race in the playoffs and when I mean interesting I mean we just had everybody get mixed around I mean there was hardly any of the playoff drivers in the top 10 but since it is September 28th we are going to look into NASCAR history and see what has happened on this date and we're going to go back six years because the last person to win on this day is Jeff Gordon at Dover International Raceway he was able to get the victory in the number 24 machine he led 94 laps this would be his 92nd victory of his career Of course, he wasn't able to get the championship because Brad Keselowski is a dick and he wasn't able to move on after the round of eight. Moving on, we're going to go back all the way to 2008 where Jimmy Johnson got a victory at Kansas Speedway. He led 124 laps in this race and we all know it. He was dominant in the late half of the 2000s. In fact, he won championships from 2006 all the way to 2010. So no surprise, he won in 2008 as well. And then we're going to go back to 2003 where I didn't think I was going to see this driver on this list, but Michael Waltrip in the number 15 wins at Talladega Super Speedway. He led only 16 laps in this race, but he was able to get his fourth victory of his career. And believe it or not, this was the same year where he won his second Daytona 500. I wouldn't even call it a Daytona 500. I mostly would call it a Daytona 268 because it was rain shortened, but he still got the victory. He still got the prize money. And hey, he also had some good equipment when it came to restrictor plate racing because DEI was able to get a lot of victories at Daytona and Talladega during this time. Now let's move on to the final results at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and see what we learn moving on from race number four in the playoffs. Alrighty, let's look at some quick little stats going into this race. We had 20 lead changes amongst 11 different drivers. I do believe that's the most lead changes that we have seen in the playoffs so far. This record is obviously going to be broken next weekend. But you know what? Let's let Las Vegas have its moment in the spotlight. I think it earns it because usually you don't see this many lead changes at a mile and a half. There was also seven cautions for 36 laps. Of That's including the stage conclusion, the competition caution. So there was actually a few incidents here so it was actually a little bit entertaining and there were many drivers who had a chance to win this race but in the end it was Kurt 
Bush, driver of the number one machine, leading only 29 laps in this race, had a good pit strategy. In fact, he didn't even have any stage points, but he got the important thing, which was a win. He will advance on into the round of eight in the number one car. Congratulations to Kurt Busch. He is your winner uh, this weekend at Las Vegas. Finishing second, we have the number 21 of Matt Benedetto, almost reminiscent of Bristol Motor Speedway. Finished second, once again, came up short. Finishing third, another playoff driver, the number 11 of Danny Hamlin. Fourth place is the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Fifth place, we have the number 88 of Alex Bowman. Finishing sixth is the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Finishing seventh, we have the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Finishing eighth, it's the number 20 of Eric Jones. Finishing ninth, a good run for Chris Buescher in the number 17. And round out the top 10, the number four of Kevin Harvick. Finishing 11th, we have the number 48 of Jimmy Johnson. Finishing 12th is the number 14 of Clint Boyer. Finishing 13th, we have the number 2 of Brad Keselowski. Finishing 14th is the number 22 of Joey Logano. Finishing 15th, we have the number 6 of Ryan Newman. Finishing 16th, the highest finishing rookie, the number 41 of Cole Custer. 17th is the number 10 of Eric Amarola. 18th, we have the number 42 of Matt Kenseth. Finishing 19th is the number 37 of Ryan Priest. And rounding out the top 20 is the number 38 of John Hunter Nemechek. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 20 was the number 9 of Chase Elliott. He won stage 2, but he finished 22nd in this race. Just more bad luck for him. William Byron got 10th in stage 2, but he got into a later accident. Almost deja vu from last week with the number 95 machine. He finishes 25th. And then Austin Dillon with some problems with his car. He finishes 32nd, but he finished 6th in both the stages, so he was doing really good in this race, but unfortunately, 7 laps down, you're not going to be finishing up front. You're going to be on the outside looking in. And that is your final results here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now let's look at some noticeable ups and downs. Here's a, here's a good up. We actually had an upset in the playoffs. Hooray! We actually got something that we weren't really predicting. If you were a gambling man in Las Vegas, you may have lost all your money because I told people that Kurt Busch doesn't do good at this racetrack. It's best to avoid him. And honestly, a lot of people would have agreed with me on that. I think his average finish here was like 20th. It was abysmal and he's had no luck here. But, you know, with the pitch strategy working out with him and his crew chief, he was able to finish up front. So, hey, good for him. Also, Matty Bandetto put up a good reason on why he should stay in the number 21 car. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. The deadline is at Thursday, so we'll see who will be driving the number 21 machine by the end of this week. Also, another up, I mean, we've been seeing drivers who were like 9th through 12th in the playoffs that we didn't really think was going to be able to advance to the next round run really well in this race. I mean, Alex Bowman, he was one of the toughest guys out on the racetrack. He was determined to win this race. He was running up front the entire time. Austin Dillon was doing really good until he had that incident. And then you see Kurt Busch here finishing at the end. It is really cool to see that it's no longer just Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Martin Trex Jr., Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, those five drivers, one, two, three, four, five, every single time. It was actually really great to see some drivers who haven't been dominating the whole season run near the front. And it wasn't even a restricted play race. This is a mile and a half, which is usually some of the toughest races for these lower teams to compete. So it was really, really good to see that. I'm really happy to see that we had a little bit of mixture in this race and not just a simple, oh, you know, it's going to be one of these five guys. Uh, make your bets because you're going to be getting five bucks back because it was so so predictable. 
I mean, so that's really, really good to see. Also, pitch strategy was throughout the entire race, which I always tend to really enjoy because you don't know who's going to win the race. And obviously, this was a good example. I mean, we didn't know if Chase Elliott was going to win, Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin. So it was really good to see that as well. Now for some downs going into this race and coming out of this race, and that is the officiating on pit road. If you notice in the middle of the race, Austin Dillon was running near the front and then he had to go to the back because of a violation with too many men over the wall. I was thinking, oh, maybe one guy came over, did some adjustments. No, he fell over the wall and his foot touched the pavement. I don't know about you guys, but that is such a ridiculous ridiculous call that I've ever seen. I remember seeing another driver where someone's hand touched the floor and they called the penalty. I'm just thinking to myself, what in God's name is that going to make the pit stop any faster? How does that benefit them in any shape or form? It's just gonna, they're going to see that hand and they're going to be like, oh you God, we got to speed it up. We're going to go faster seeing that extra hand there or seeing that extra foot there. I mean, it's not going to happen. So why make this such a strict call? At the same time, you see Kevin Harvick's tire getting away from his pit box. It clearly left the pit box. I think it went out five to seven feet. And then you see the pit crew member running run off camera, grab it and throw it back in. No penalty at all. What is the call on pit road nowadays? It's so inconsistent that I don't even know what's going to be a penalty or not anymore. The men over the wall too soon or something like that. I think that is just absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why that's a call. And then having too many men over the wall because someone touched their foot or hand on the ground that they shouldn't have. I mean, what happens if someone get is working on the car? Let's say they're on the crash clock, which by the way, I also think is absolutely ridiculous. And one guy accidentally touches his finger. Does that mean that guy is disqualified from the race because that happened? That's basically what NASCAR is saying. And I really just don't like it at all. And then the uncontrolled tire, remember how they were so strict on that? Now they're not being strict on it at all. It's like NASCAR, make your decision. If stuff leaves the pit box, is it a penalty or not? And they're just not consistent with it at all. I don't want Kevin Harvard to get penalized. I mean, that would suck for a guy to be near the top. But if the rules are the rules, then by all means, every driver should follow the rules, not just pick and choose. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And here's another thing. The camera work is absolutely shoddy. And especially when it comes to the number 32 car of Corey LaJoy. Now, I heard a few people say this, most noticeably Mechanical Manny. He kind of pointed this out. Have you ever noticed that every time they show the 32 car, they zoomed out? And then this race, they made it very clear that they weren't going to show that car on there. I mean, every time you saw the Trump 2020 car, even in pit row when he was fixing the damage, NASCAR visibly zoomed the camera out so you couldn't quite see the sponsorship when you could clearly see the full view of everyone else when you saw the number 24, when you saw the number 47, you could see those sponsors just fine. And the number 32 car, they kept zooming out the camera so they didn't really have to show it. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. This doesn't affect the racing in any shape or form, but at the same time, it's just like, dude, why are we doing this? Are we going to be equal with both sides? I, I understand we're reaching a new crowd with Bubba Wallace with his Black Lives Matter movement and the equality movement. That has been awesome, and I'm really happy to see that. But at the same time, you got to be respectful to the other people who think the other way. I mean, if people want to go for Donald Trump, and I mean, at the same time, you can't really be like, oh, we've never been affiliated with him. He led the field to the green flag at the Daytona 500. Are we just going to forget about that? And this is not me being a Donald Trump fan. This is just me kind of standing up for these smaller teams who have 
have these sponsorships. I mean, the number 32 team is not a top-running team. They rely on these sponsorships to make every single race. And for them to constantly get zoomed out, nobody's going to want to sponsor them if that's what NASCAR is going to do to them. And I, it's really not fair for these lower teams. And lastly, just this is the last down. Why in the world, in the near the end of the race, why were we showing the 23rd place car of Ryan Newman and having the announcers just announce the way he was driving the whole entire time? Why do we even do that anymore? It's just so weird to look at them just like have that dead um, face as they're just talking. They're just like, yeah, look at Ryan Newman just going around turn three and four. Well, that's a pretty interesting corner for him. You know, you're jerking the wheel back and forth because, you know, the car is loose. And uh, that's basically what it feels like. It's very, very weird. I mean, if you're going to show anybody, why don't you show how the leader's racing? Not the guy in 23rd. Who gives a damn how that guy's driving? He's not doing the race very well. Show the guy up front. He obviously knows what he's doing. It's just a little small thing. But I thought that was just really weird. Like, why are we showing Ryan Newman and his driving style on this? racetrack when he's clearly not even a contender to run the race but that's all i gotta really say about las vegas motor speedway honestly it's one of the better mile and a half tracks that we've seen throughout the 2020 season definitely not a snoozer of a race it was actually really good so hopefully you got to watch it live because i tend to really enjoy it i just really really wish that i could have went to that race because I live fairly close to Las Vegas, and that's really the closest track to me, probably second to Sonoma, and it's just, ah, I wanted to see that race so bad, but it is 2020, we know the pandemic, and I'm sick and tired of the driver saying, man, I wish the fans were here, Uh, it'd be so great to celebrate with them, just let us come, let us see these drivers run their hearts out, and let us enjoy it. That's all I got to say, but let's move on to our fantasy picks and see how bad I screwed you guys up because let me tell you, there were quite a few drivers on here that really let us down, so let's get into it. Okay, so if this is your first ever episode listening to me, uh, you're probably going to turn this off when you hear what my picks were because, my goodness, I I screwed some people over. Let me just give you an idea on how bad I did this. Uh, Top dogs, I picked Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Martin Trex Jr., and Chase Elliott to be the best five. Well, I got Martin Truex Jr. right, but that was about the only one I got right because Joey Logano made contact with Kyle Busch earlier in the race, went down pit road to try to fix the tire, and he stayed one lap down throughout the entire race until the last 20 laps. And these guys just basically hate each other. I just want to see them fight one more time. The last time they fought was Las Vegas a couple years ago. I just want to see those guys just wave their arms around like a bunch of idiots. And just I, I want to see that fight really bad. Unfortunately, we didn't get it at Vegas. Maybe we'll get it at Martinsville. But Joey Logano was never able to get back up into the top 10. He finishes 14, 32 points. I can't believe I wasted a vote on that one. And then Brad Keselowski was never even a factor in this race. He started near the front, but then he stuck around in 10th to 15th the entire race. And that's all he did. And I could have swore that he was going to do good in this race. But I guess I was wrong because he really wasn't even a factor at all. And Kevin Harvick had probably one of his worst races in 2020. And it's really weird to say that because he only finished 10th. 10th is actually a good finish, but not for Kevin Harvick. 37 points. uh, There's definitely way more races he could have done better than 37 points. That's my bad. I could have swore he was going to be a better contender at this race. Uh, Little did I know that he was going to make me look like an idiot. And then Chase Elliott had actually a really, really good car, but Chase Elliott does not know how to finish at Las Vegas. I don't know why. One stage two, 32 points, finished 22nd. 
How do you do that? Only Chase Elliott knows how to do that. So a bit of a bummer. Hopefully one day he goes up to Las Vegas and he's just like, man, I can finally win this race and I get a decent finish. But it wasn't that day. We'll just have to wait until next year. And then the top 10 guys were actually the top dogs to go with because Alex Bowman was the really the guy that beat. He finished fifth, 43 points. If you added Alex Bowman to your list, by all means, you're very happy with that result. And then Eric Amarola, did not get a top 10 in this race. I thought mile and a half were his cup of tea, but obviously it wasn't Las Vegas. So whoops, my bad on that one. I screwed you guys over. Uh, don't worry. I screwed myself over because I put him on my fantasy league. Kyle Busch uh, finishing with 39 points. He actually ran pretty well in this race. Um, I guess a top 10 guy was really what he was, but he did really good in stage one to get him a lot of points. So 39 points, that's a good top 10 guy. I'm actually pretty happy putting Kyle Busch there. Denny Hamlin did absolutely great in this race. This was really a track that I did not think he was going to do good at. And then all of a sudden when I say I don't have no hope for him, that's when he starts kicking ass. Really, Denny Hamlin? Are you are you listening to these podcasts and just thinking, I'm going to screw over Vanilla Wafers? Because that's what it felt like. And then ma- lastly, let's move on to Austin Dillon. You just can't really say anything much about a mechanical problem. He was going to be a top 10 guy, a solid top 10 guy. It just didn't work for him in the end. Then the dark horses. Clint Boyer was really a dark horse. Maybe at some point a top 10 guy, but really just wasn't really up there. He did edge out Eric Amarola. He was way better than him. A little bit better than Brad Keselowski, but that was about it. There was really no other driver that he was really competing against or really overall better than. Maybe Kurt Busch, but we all know at the end that Kurt Busch was the best dark horse to go with because he got the freaking victory with 40 points. If you threw Kurt Busch on there and you were just like, screw you, Vanilla Wafers. I think there's going to be a change up. I'm going to throw money at Kurt Busch. Well, congratulations. This is why you can gamble. And this is why I suck at the gambling table. So good for you. And then the other drivers that I wanted to mention were Ryan Blaney. I said he would be a good dark horse. He actually was. He did really good in this race. A seventh in stage one and a fifth in stage two, overall scoring 40 points. That's really good. I wish Ryan Blaney was doing that when he was in the playoffs, but that's just been Ryan Blaney for you. He either is going to get 40 or more points or he's going to finish 19 or less points in the race. There's just no in between with this guy. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got into an accident. He was running fairly well. I wouldn't say enough to be put on a roster. More like a fifth pick at best, but in the end, he got into some contact because John Hunter Nemechek went back up the road in turn three and four, so he made some contact with the wall, wasn't able to recover. Bit of a bummer for him. And then Jimmy Johnson, just no luck at all. I'm, I'm telling you, he sped on pit road. What is with Jimmy Johnson? This is, I can't trust him anymore. I don't know what he is going on with this dude because Jimmy Johnson is a really, really talented driver. If you were just watching him for the first time this year, you're just thinking, wow, he made it this this long in his career. I understand why you would think that because this is not the Jimmy Johnson that I grew up seeing. This is not the seven-time champion. This is a guy who is at best a top 20 driver. And I hate to see Jimmy Johnson like that. And I feel really disgusted even saying that, but that's what Jimmy Johnson's been recently. And I just hope there's one race. I know there's not many races left, but I'm just hoping that he looks really competitive in one of those and actually finishes near the front. Can we just have that NASCAR gods? Give the seven-time champion a good send-off. You haven't done it well for the other seven-time champions. I know that's not a good joke. It's not meant to be a good joke. It's mostly to be, to be like NASCAR gods. Please give the seven-time champions a good send-out because they deserve it. But enough of all that. Let's move on to the observers. Let's see who did the best. Um, Honestly, I'm not looking too much forward to this one. I'm going to be honest with you. 
Okay, I don't know why I'm going to be doing the suspenseful music. Maybe it's just to make people think that this was actually really, really close. Or for you guys to actually give a damn on how the observers did. But let's be honest here. It really wasn't that close. Here's my picks, by the way, in case you forgot. We have Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Eric Amarola, Alex Bowman, and Austin Dillon. I'm not proud of any of those picks except Alex Bowman. I only got 156 points. Uh, I finished last. I don't even have to tell you the other guys because, yeah, I did not do good this weekend. I don't think people are listening to a fantasy podcast with a guy who's barely scraping by with 150 points. That's that's not good. But the other guys, the other observers, this is what keeps me afloat is these other two guys because they did pretty well in their picks. Crazy Corrado went with Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski as well. However, his other picks were Martin Trex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, and Eric Amarola. Ooh, better picks, that's for sure. He scored 191 points. Now that is some high quality points value there. Very good job, Crazy Corrado. You made me look like an idiot. But did Mechanical Manny make you even look like a bigger idiot? We'll find out because he went with Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Jimmy Johnson, and Martin Trex Jr. If you can do your math fast enough, you know who won this. But for all the people who are slow at math, the winner of this weekend and the man who holds bragging rights going into the Talladega weekend and one spot closer to me is... Crazy Corrado because Mechanical Manny scored 176 points, which means Crazy Corrado gets his fifth win of the season and keeps his hopes alive of winning the 2020 Fantasy Championships. I mean, Crazy Corrado does it once again. He uh, he just comes around the corner and he gets himself a big weekend. I mean, this guy either shoots 190 to over 230 points when he is looking to win a weekend. So congratulations to him. And I get another bronze medal, which means my viewership drops once again in the polls, which means I'm more at the bottom of the playlist. This is why I call myself the field filler. um, So I can make that my excuse whenever I do bad. But you know what? It's okay because I can redeem myself next week because guess what? We're going to Talladega, one of the most unpredictable races on on the schedule. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait. But in the meantime, Crazy Corrado gets one step closer at winning this championship. And that will conclude the last segment of today's episode, guys. Thank you so much. Before we go, I just wanted to say we just hit 1,000 downloads on this podcast, and I couldn't be more happier. It is only, It hasn't even been a year yet, and we've already hit 1,000. I'm so grateful that you guys tune in every single episode. I have some really dedicated fans here, and I never thought that we would have this many people listening in every single day. And thank you guys just so much for the continual support. It's been really fun, and I hope you guys have really, truly enjoyed this, whether it's the humor, whether it's the NASCAR stats. I don't know what it is, but I'm just grateful that you guys are here. So thank you so much, and I will keep trying my best to stay consistent with these episodes and to bring you guys the best information I can and keep you up to date on everything in the NASCAR world. Thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast.